About Town. I'm your host, Blakely Freed, arts and entertainment editor of Tulsa People magazine. Today I wanted to dive a little deeper into a couple of the stories in March's Tulsa People magazine. So probably for the last couple of years, I've been interested in cryptocurrency, blockchain technology, um, just kind of that whole world of budding technology. Uh, A lot of my friends and family have been kind of, when they see uh, something about cryptocurrency in the headlines, they'll talk to me about it because they know it's one of my new, my, my most recent rabbit holes that I've gone down. So usually a big question people ask is like, why is this worth money? And I really think that the best answer to that is why is anything worth money? You know, it's it's worth money because someone has placed value onto this item or in the case of cryptocurrency, um, virtual bit of code of blockchain. So it's really kind of a an abstract concept, especially to talk about because, I mean, economics for the layman, I feel like, is something that the average person, I definitely don't understand it very thoroughly and um, and just kind of like how all of that works together. So when you add in a new technology and a new aspect of it, I can understand why it's even more confusing. So hopefully this feature will um, kind of uh, unmuddy the waters there for you. I talked to Chris Ransdell at American BitPower, which is a company based in Tulsa that dove headfirst into cryptocurrency mining. And one thing that I really enjoyed about my conversation with Chris was that he kind of enlightened me as to why Oklahoma is a little, you know, is better positioned to mine cryptocurrency. And that's because a lot of the state uh, power, a lot of the state's energy is from natural gas, which proponents of um, natural gas say that it's a much cleaner burning energy than, say, coal. Um, so in places like China, where you're hearing lots of um, environmental issues arising because of cryptocurrency um, and these massive mining operations, there are people here in Tulsa who are looking to do that a little bit more sustainably. I sat down with Chris in his office um, at the Phil Tower building, and uh, one thing I noticed um, almost immediately was this interesting old little, you know, sepia-toned banknote. And he told me the story of why he keeps that on his desk as a reminder. And it, it really makes sense. I'll, I'll let him tell you. This is a, a fun piece. I, this is something I inherited from my grandfather. It's an original. Nice note, too. Yeah. $5 bill. Now, that is printed before we had the Federal Reserve of the Mint. That was printed by the St. Louis Bank. And it's called a banknote. When you would bring in and deposit $5 worth of gold or you would be given a note saying you have $5 of gold in our bank. And that piece of paper was only valuable because the bank said it was. And I had this for 20 years in a box. And I got it out because I thought it'd be perfect to sitting here explaining how far we've come, about 100 years, but also the value of that piece of paper today to a collector is 1,000 times that. And it is a piece of paper. And it now here's the thing: it's as no value at the Bank of St. Louis. Right. There is no more five dollars in gold. At the same. Right. <laughs> That's long so gone. Therefore, its original value is gone, but its perceived value is gone up. So it's 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 all about perception. On 
there's lots of great content in the March issue, and um, I really encourage you to go pick it up before it leaves the racks and our April issue comes in, um, or look online at TulsaPeople.com. One of those things, though, uh, that I um, just got a chance, it was this just goes to show you uh, a little bit about how magazine production works. When when a story comes in and and I realize that I might want you know one more quote or something like that, um, even if I didn't write that story, I'll still call that source um, as the editor of that story and and talk to them a little bit more to kind of get get whatever um, bit that would make that story stronger. So in that case, I talked to uh, Scott Hutchison, and he and um, Tanya Maxa made a an album, and it. Well, it's an album, but it's also like just an, I would say, an artistic concept because Hutchison, he has really dove into the history of uh, his tribe, the Choctaw, um, Choctaw Nation, and um, came across a biography of Peter Pitchlin, who's the Choctaw principal chief. And that was, um, he was the principal chief during the forced removal. So while Native Americans were traveling along the Trail of Tears, he would write poetry. Thankfully, some of those things made it into this book that um, that Scott was able to read. And um, so Scott just talks a little bit about some of the weight and the significance of, you know, the hardships that that his ancestors experienced on the Trail of Tears, but also um, the resilience that that kind of rings through and and also the truth that he says that he sees and hears in these words that uh, Chief Pitchlin wrote, you know, 200 years ago. I mean, it's it's almost 200 years old. So it it just kind of encompasses a timeless wisdom and. Scott captures that through um, his music. And he also, um, in addition to Tanya's um, vocals, he also has his daughter Nora um, singing on the album. So that's really cool. Here's more from Scott Hutchison and his process writing. Poem to songs, Hachutuckney, Snapping Turtle. Some of those songs like Will You Go With Me and Take Me Home Again, they have some lines in there like, the sunshine and the flowers, you know what I mean? And, and that struck me like words from like the 1960s, like, like hippie lyrics, right? <laughs> yeah. Be, because they related to nature so much as part of, like you're saying, it's life. They took care of it when they moved. Mm-hmm. And they wanted it to be part of their life because it's where they were. It wasn't like they wanted to build a city over it all. Right. Or not have nature. And a lot of those lyrics say stuff what was ahead of its time even in that song take me home again it goes this land i lived is strange strange you know what i mean it's like you know stranger a strange land you, yes you know what i mean ain't it strange people are strange it's just you know 1960s consciousness again all over it got rid of also that's what i call it and then what really got me most is in uh jawbone they say these are hard times we do see these are hard times we do know when I thought about that later, I go, hey, that's way before the blues. That's way before Woody Guthrie and the Dust Bowl singing all our time. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, and so it was a, a true description. What, as a writer and a lyricist, what I, I was uh, really, 
heavy, you know, infatuated with it. He was queuing in on those words at that time, 1931. I just wanted to remind everybody before we go here that uh, the big show, which is Philbrook's latest exhibition featuring work by young artists, launched on March 12th, and it runs through May 8th, so uh, that's one of the newest things that you can see in Tulsa art-wise. So go check that out and support um, students, you know, aged 4 to 18 that have work in the show. Well, that's all I have for you all today. Uh, Don't forget, Tulsa 10 publishes tomorrow on TulsaPeople.com, and that's our roundup of events that um, that we think you guys might like. Right now, that's being put together by one of our interns, Julianne Tran, and she's doing a great job finding great events. So uh, take a look at that, and we'll see you next time.